Truthful News. And on Truthful News uh, this evening, we are very fortunate uh, to have uh, one of our world-renowned figure, a world-renowned figure that has uh, made uh, waves around uh, Baya, telling you which is a straight wave, which is a horizontal wave, which is a vertical wave, and which wave will drunk you and drown you. Well, it's uh, none other than uh, a microbiologist, a GP, and the one uh, that has uh, told you exactly what's happening in this world when uh, the pandemic had come through and Dr. Sankara was one of them that was very forceful about it and uh, you can see when men of truth comes to the fore uh, those uh, that perpetrate a new world uh, disorder they start quivering they start shaking and they start barking but uh, Dr. Sankara's uh, caravan moves on and uh, these barkers are still uh, barking. Good evening, uh, Dr. Sh- uh, Shankara Chetty, and thank you very much for joining us on uh, Wasail Alam Sadika. Truthful news, uh, Doctor. Hi, good evening, Shabbat. Uh, all good. Uh, uh, good evening to your listeners, too. Well, Doctor, you know, when we are lighties, I don't know if you watched that uh, movie, Jaws 1, and then it went to Jaws yeah, 2, yeah. then it went to Jaws 3, and, and then they kept on hitting it to 4. But now... Mm. John McEnroe, the tennis star, oh, and now a well, well-known uh, commentator. I just read the headline uh, this morning. It stated yeah. that John McEnroe, shame, we didn't hear him giving commentary. Uh, he's got COVID. Now, what do you think of this, Doc? What do you think about these people that chose the right O at the right time at a, a major tennis tournament to tell the world, hey, it's back. It's back again. I think. What do we do, Doc? <laughs> I think the question they should have asked him is, "Are you vaccinated?" <laughs> oh, you, <laughs> that's a bigger killer, Doc. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shafat, we got a. Uh, they they somehow uh, planning that in September sometime they're going to uh, introduce uh, a new virus or there's a new pandemic starting. And I think if you want more information on the exact date, uh, Prof. Karim will be the go-to man. He has the inside track on that. But uh, I think they uh, going down that road again, uh, looking at fear-mongering, there's plans to bring down uh, lockdowns again and uh, go masking again. Uh, the same old nonsense that never worked in the first wave. So I think it's it's testing us testing us and uh, you see the most important thing uh, like Jaws 1, 2 and 3 the fear faded you know Uh, they had to find ways to hype the fear to make the movie work and they're going to do the same thing now so they might bring out a pandemic with a little bit of climate crisis and bits of other things economic crisis in for the mix so yeah they they know how to shake us to our boots but uh, let's see let's see how humanity holds up this time whether they keep their faith well, as you said, they still have the go-to men, and the go-to men, uh, you know, you get death, and once you get physical death, you're gone. But then you get spiritual death, then you get intellectual death, and then you get, uh, you know, you know what I'm getting going to talk. And these yeah, guys yeah. that are talking to you, that are telling you, you know, uh, you know, it's this way, and it's going to come, and you know, they look like uh, with a straight face. But they, definitely, these guys have spiritual death. And, uh, you know, do they have emotion? Maybe there's the emotional death also. Talk to me about this scenario where people actually have deficiencies. They're dead. 
they're dead. Those senses are not working, Doctor. Yeah, Shafat, I think we're at a time. <clears throat> you know, all our religions talk about the darkest hours of humanity. And you, I, I think people need to remember that we, we've lived in a period where uh, Luciferians were at the forefront, masquerading as a lot of different things. Uh, priests, uh, world leaders, uh, you know, uh, leaders in, uh, in, in, in economics, and they have they had an agenda from the start, and so uh, we we starting to we starting to see this. Uh, people from the UN, the World Economic Forum, uh, the World Health Organization, Greenpeace has been co-opted. A lot of the global aid organizations are co-opted into this Luciferian agenda. And of course, humanity in its uh, basic form uh, has good in its heart. So we always want to do what's best. And they have misled us into thinking we're doing what's best for the planet and what's best for humanity. And they keep using those catchphrases when they want us to comply. So they've conned people into thinking that what's in doing our best, we're serving humanity and the planet and our creator. But they've co-opted uh, our, our intelligence in the wrong direction. So I think people need to wake up and realize this is not about a single person. This is about the this is about the prophets of the devil. Yeah, the agents of uh, Lucifer, the agents, uh, the Quran has a very good term uh, for this. They call it Hizbush Shaitan, the party of yeah. the devil. Yeah, lovely. And I, when I heard that Hizbush Shaitan in Arabic, I said, hey, George Bush. But anyway, doctor, you know, uh, on a, I mean, you, you you look at the more serious affairs that's going in the in 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 this world presently. I mean, Putin and all these guys have uh, have told it to us boldly and very vociferously that they are biochemical laboratories, and uh, these were you know uh, exposed when he went into uh, Ukraine and he found all this and uh, virtually destroyed them. Then uh, Trump being marginalized because Trump is one of them that was not buying into this pandemic thing and he was uh, you know already pulling them back and not allowing them to usher in this uh, paranoia and this uh, world uh, new world disorder and the perpetrators now are presently lying through the you know not through the mouth doc from their gut you know you get that gut feeding yeah. but this gut is something else uh, from the guts to keep uh, the agenda alive and you know uh, you know someone may ask the question are we forced into a world of armageddon Good versus evil, Doctor? I think that's what the darkest hours of humanity are, Shafat. Uh, look, in the Ukraine, uh, early on in the pandemic, uh, Putin was on the agenda. I think he was being misled when we spoke about COVID, the vaccines, and so they developed Sputnik. And he went down the road of masking and lockdowns and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I don't think people saw the agenda. And then I had a very prominent uh, YouTuber, the, the biggest YouTuber in uh, Russia, Vadim. Uh, he contacted me and he said, you know, uh, I've been watching your work. I'd like to do an interview and I've got a lot of followers. And so we, we had an interview and I discussed the agenda, the science behind it, what, what exactly is going on. And then uh, I, I, at one of the conferences I, I did a, uh, in a Zoom interview, I spilled the beans. And I said, look, uh, spike protein is the most elaborate poison man's ever designed. And uh, I explained it and what we're going to see. And that someone uh, cut a, 
that 10 minutes of that Zoom meeting and it went viral. And when we checked the threads, it was shared, it was shared by Donald Trump. It was shared by Craig Kelly in Australia. It was shared by Vladimir Putin. Uh, I couldn't get it back because I was trying to limit the damage. I didn't expect them to record it and share it. And uh, not very long after that, Putin had an interview with the global forum, uh, world audience. And he said, look, you think you're going to bring your world agenda, not under my watch, because he stands for family and religion and uh, all those kind of things, good morals. And so uh, that was the start of changing Russia's stance. Now, when they invaded Ukraine and found all these bioweapon facilities, uh, I knew they existed and I knew that that was that was their main aim. Uh, the, The thing was, when we got to Omicron and we started uh, dissipating the fear by telling the world it's mild and there's no reason to lock down and panic. Then Bill Gates came out and said that uh, the next pandemic won't be so easy and he had a smirk on his face. And it was at that point that I think Putin realized the danger of these bio labs on his border. They tried to discredit and uh, damage China's uh, economy by claiming it was made in China, but it was a collaboration with private entities and the US uh, Department of Defense. So I think he realized that the Department of Defense is going to release the next pathogen from Ukraine and blame it on Russia and create uh, uh, trouble that way. So initially in the war in Russia, he went in trying to destroy those bioweapon facilities and passively capture and change the government of Ukraine into a more democratic, friendly government. So he didn't have this constant threat on his border. Now, they found all these biolab facilities. They found all the... uh, all the documentation about it being biolab facilities. And if you looked at a recent uh, uh, interview with one of the chiefs in the Russian military, he mentioned that the variants were being released uh, and they seem to, from the documentation, seem to be engineered to target specific populations. Uh, I mentioned this uh, in my presentation and my paper at the start of the pandemic uh, to say that uh, each variant targeted different organ systems in the body, body and seemed, way, seemed that each variant was designed to do that. And as well, each variant seemed to target different populations. The black population in the first wave, the Indian population in the next wave, the Muslim and white population after that. And then Omicron was, uh, was uh, not discriminate. And so during my uh, testimony to the grand jury, I asked a question, is this the start of understanding ethnic cleansing using bio-warfare? So uh, I think that there's a lot more that people don't see. Uh, There's more to this than meets the eye. And when you look at biotechnology, biotechnology has the potential, one, to be a very discriminant weapon, and that's the reason they like it so much. You can target certain populations depending on their genetic makeup and propensities. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a very discriminate, discrete weapon that doesn't destroy infrastructure and things. Uh, in, in the 1960s, when uh, bio or when uh, this kind of warfare first came to be, remember coronaviruses were discovered in, 19, in the 1960s and they've realized it was a grand, great platform for transmission of genetic material. So it's been investigated from that time as a bioweapon platform. Now, the problem is that uh, these kind of technologies hold the, you remember you, you, you're touching the, the uh, most intricate creation of our creator, our DNA, the code for our life, the 
seat of our spirituality. Uh, it's, it, it's got far more than people realize it has. And so by tampering with this, you could obliterate all of creation, basically. So the potential held by biotechnology is far greater than any other type of technology we've ever had in the past. Uh, outstrips nuclear technology easily spreads on its own, can affect every species on the planet and upset that delicate balance of our ecosystem. Now, I think where we need to go with that is to halt all biotechnology research globally because of the threat it poses. And as humanity come together and start setting some ground rules, because it does have benefit in tissue culture and organ transplantation and all that kind of thing. So we need the technology is not is not anything evil. It's the way it is used that's evil. So people weaponize everything around them. I think when man found iron, the first thing he made was a spear. So we need to we need to find ways to get the regulatory framework in place so that the playing field is well defined and we have the right authorities to regulate it. Not the regulators we're talking about now, ethical regulators that will have humanity's best interest in art and make sure that this kind of biotechnology only serves for the good of humanity. And I think with the Ukraine and the crisis we face, that's come to the fore. I think people soon will realize the, the gravity of what's happened. No, absolutely, uh, Doctor. You know, when you spoke about uh, Putin uh, seeing the light, uh, I mean, you could see that he's an Eastern Orthodox Church, very holy indeed. And, uh, you know, trying to be on the straight and narrow. And earlier on, I told you about Hizbush, Shaitan, the party of uh, the devil. And Hizbullah, you know, Allah in Arabic means God, the party of God. Uh, And uh, this is the important thing. And you, you know, by uh, talking the truth and by exposing all these uh, agendas that's coming through, you have done something uh, amazing, amazing indeed. And uh, this is why uh, both you and I, you know, we get along very uh, uh, cordially. I mean, we get on more than cordially. We're more like brothers uh, with each other. Yeah. And you're, you're, so, you're so open when it comes to this. I mean, I, I was wondering while you, you, you're talking about Russia, yes, they developed the Sputnik. But it was China that bought into this uh, COVID thing in a big way. They were building hospitals and they were uh, spraying the cities left, right and center. Where do the Chinese stand on this, uh, doctor? Uh, Shabbat, I think it is a collaborative effort between China and America. Remember, these are the two, we'll call them leading economic superpowers of the world. Now, America got its wealth. It's had a, it's had a, about 50 years of, of privilege, let's call it. Uh, China showed economic development that outstripped America, but they did it by control of their population, strict, tight control of their population, which America can't achieve because it has democracy. So I think this was a collaboration between America and China to bring out this bioweapon, use it as a threat to humanity, and in that, in that threat, uh, restrict our liberties and freedoms, and in restricting our liberties and freedoms, institute measures like the central bank digital currency, vaccine passports, all these kind of things uh, digital identities to control population. And where China comes in, they have already completed successfully their experiment on population control. 
and the social credit system. And because it worked so well in China and allowed a totalitarian control of their population, they will direct America in how to, or the globalists in how to do that. So it's a Twitter, you shake my hand and I'll shake yours. So China, uh, nobody looks into them. So they said, well, nobody's going to stop us. Give us the technology, we'll make the virus. And when you get control of the world, we'll help you in the, in the agenda of population control. And you can see China is one of the biggest sponsors of the uh, World Health Organization. So yeah, I think we, they, they, there's, a, there's a revolving door there. So I think we need to just be cautious. China's intentions were never always uh, good intentions. They control their population. And I think you see in China, in China, there's absolutely no freedoms. There's absolutely no respect for human dignity. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking of the coin with the heads and tails. So we're looking at this, Conan yeah. uh, Ramya, heads have been to uh, tails you lose. I mean, uh, this is what uh, they're telling the world. This, uh, I mean, they're oh, shocking indeed because, as uh, you know, you, you brought that into per perspective. Was it Wuhan, you know, the, the, and we all looked at it and say, what's going on here? And uh, in, on the surface of uh, uh, world politics, they played like they, uh, they were at each other's uh, throats, uh, Doctor. Yeah, you see, you see, uh, Shafat, initially in the pandemic, if you remember correctly, people were applauding China's response. Oh, they were spraying everything and the people were so orderly and they stood in lines and they built hospitals in a week. And, you know, so 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 China wanted to galvanize that irrational response to a pandemic. And it showed how well their population complied with all that. And then the West took that same narrative because that, that was the intention and forced it onto their populations. And then we all thought, oh, we must be, China such a, a well-ordered country, and for us to be ordered in our response, we must follow what they did. We all played. Now, if you look at the uh, pictures and videos that came out early in the pandemic, uh, they were talking about Italy, and they showed videos from China. They were talking about South Africa, and they showed videos from China. It was the same playbook being played around the whole world. I know I, I got an inclination because when I saw the news one day here in South Africa about the start of the pandemic, and then they showed people spraying trains and, you know, but they're all in hazmat suits. So you can't see whether it's white, black or blue under that white hazmat suit. And then I looked at one of the trains and I thought I, I saw this video before and I stopped it and I looked and there was Chinese writing on the, on the wall of the train. And I thought, oh, that's not South Africa, but they made it look like that, you know. So yeah, it's been a it's been a coercion from the start. Well, it reminds me of the story of the moon. You know, remember remember in India they were showing the uh, pies burning with dead bodies. Mm. I think it was the same crematorium from ten different angles on the same. Yeah, uh, very possible indeed. And, uh, you know, as you said, uh, all these things are coming through and uh, people uh, are buying into the whole thing. And in uh, South Africa, I mean, the, the, the stories of planes are flying overhead and uh, spraying the atmosphere with chemicals and so forth. I mean, that uh, we had to believe. And I believe it has started again in some parts of yeah. our country where they uh, started with the uh, with the start, uh, spraying the uh, atmosphere so that people are falling. But uh, there was one question whilst you're talking about China that we also found people were collapsing in the streets and just dying, uh, you know, during the first outbreak, uh, Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, with that first outbreak, Shafan, we never saw that anywhere else in the world, right? 
Mm. So uh, people just suddenly collapsing on the street and dying is a very unusual thing, right? And remember, China has launched 5G technology long before the rest of the world. And uh, I got a feeling that that plays something in it because a person doesn't just suddenly die. You know, there's a, there's a, there's illness that leads up to it or fatigue or, or a, 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 a loss of coordination or something. You don't see someone standing there and just eating the dick. And that's that. That's not how it works. But uh, these bioweapon technologies uh, and these uh, electromagnetic technologies have the ability to do that to the human body. So all you need to do is prime the human body with certain met- metal ob- uh, metallics, and uh, you can you can then control that. Uh, so I think uh, that was fear mongering, but not just. Yeah, I don't think it was staged. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the videos with people turning around like something's coming up behind them and trying to ward off something and then eventually mm. fall down in a convulsion and die. That's not normal. That's not normal. And so, yeah, medical science will be struggling to to understand these things. But there's definitely a larger, more nefarious plan. Maybe those waves I was talking about, hey, they were prophetic. Those waves came, you know, you can't see it. Yeah. You, know, you look at, look at it, Maui and look what's happened now. Uh, we know that there's direct energy weapons, direct energy weapons. We we got the research on it. We got the papers uh-huh. published. Yeah, there's a lot that's going on. If you look at uh, directed energy weapons, uh, you can target certain colors. Uh, it's very, uh, very easy to, to, to discriminate with them. If you looked at Maui, it was strange uh, that uh, blue cars didn't get burnt. Uh, I saw some photographs uh, from uh, a guy that presented to one of the forums I'm on. Mm. uh, The house was burnt, but the blue pool cover was still on, plastic. Uh, The plastics didn't burn. The bin bags were still there. Uh, The plastic slide was still there. And they sent in, they they cordoned off the entire area so no one can go in. And they had their own forces going in and collecting plastic uh, so that nobody will notice the plastic didn't burn. Uh, if you looked at the trees, the trees weren't damaged, but the houses burnt. And there were houses in between that were untouched. Strange, the old town burnt, but McDonald's didn't burn down. Uh, then, mm. what they, they, well, then what they also found, I, I had a discussion with a forensic arborist. Uh, he's a nature lover, a botanist that studied nature. And uh, he went on to study how different trees burn. Uh, and uh, he, pine trees are the easiest to set on fire. And what he found when he, and he's, he's, he's uh, in the last 20 years, he's attended 103 major fires uh, around the world and looked at all the forensic evidence from a natural perspective. And he found that of those 103 fires, he can only say that three were natural. The rest were instigated by something. So these fires that we see around the globe are not something that just happens. Yes, there's a lot of fires around the world that occur every year under natural circumstances. But some of them, where there seems to be some nefarious intent, always seem to have some underlying underlying man's hand in them. Uh, Just as an example, in Maui, the pine trees should have been the first to burn. But they didn't burn down. Uh, The... Willows, which love water and are very waterlogged trees, uh, when they they died, 
and when they cut them down, they found that they were burnt in the center. The center was on, uh, like, like a fire went through the center of the tree. Uh, the cars burnt, the rims melted, right? Uh, and then when they looked at tires, they found a whole lot of burnt tires, but the only tires that really burnt were that uh, tires that were abandoned, you know, in fields and things like that. Now, obviously, on a car, the car provides the, 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 the fire to burn the tire. But uh, tires that were abandoned, they found only the steel belt radials burnt. Those that had polyester belts in them, nothing happened, not at all. Now, if you, if you look at that, we're talking about microwave technology, right? And uh, if you put uh, something dry into the microwave, nothing happens to it because the microwave requires the agitation of water molecules to heat anything up. Now, if you put any, anything organic in the microwave, it doesn't catch on fire, it cooks. Uh, but if you put anything steel in a microwave, like a piece of tin foil, you start a fire. Now, when they looked at fence posts and things like that in Maui, uh, the fence post, the wooden fence post, only burnt on the spot where there was a nail in it. Now, so if you had five nails in a fence post, it, it evenly spaced, you could see exactly on the spacing of those five nails, you had a round area that got burnt to ash. But uh, wood doesn't burn in that way. And then uh, if uh, we notice the, the blue color, that uh, blue was seeming to be spared. Now, if you look recently, there's an article written that all these uh, global uh, elitists that have houses in Maui have now started painting all their roofs blue, a terrible shade of blue. Uh, so I, I think there's more going on. And if you look at what actually happened in uh, in Maui itself, in Rohingya, uh, that area is uh, owned by the indigenous people, and they had regulations for no new developments to maintain their tradition and culture. They had a lot of historic buildings and all that kind of thing. But it was prime beachfront property, and they've refused it to refused to sell it for generations. The rest of Maui is owned by the global elitists. Now, it's very strange that a few days before the fire, the uh, one of the, the, the top officials, I'm not sure it's the mayor, if you call him the mayor, Signed, a, signed into legislation and acts that stated in the event of a natural disaster that destroys any property on, uh, on, the, uh, on that side of Maui, the destroyed property will be taken over by the government and, uh, and, and, and will be, will, once it's in the government's hand, they will determine how it will be disposed of appropriately. And a few days after that legislation was passed, we have a fire that very, very carefully burnt specific parts of that indigenous stronghold. So I think there, there was more to that. So, so I think I think people need just to be, just to be awakened that a lot of what we think is natural is being controlled by these people, and uh, yeah, that's why I say uh, bringing in this new variant. It's just the start. It's easy to have cyber collapse, banking crises, climate events, all these kind of things. I mean, in the on the South Pole, 
So I've had a lot of people on uh, that we've interviewed who've been to the South Pole to do other work, plumbing and the rest, and they've got energy weapons there that uh, are drilled into the ground. And it was these things were never supposed to be started up. But uh, the the guy that we spoke to was there during the during the earthquake in Christchurch, and he had to do some work there. And he said it was switched on during that time. And uh, these things have the ability to shake the crust of the earth uh, and radiate waves along certain directions, along certain fault lines. So yeah, we definitely dealing with Lucifer. These people couldn't have figured this out on on their own. So someone has adorned them with the technology to weaponize and get us get us fear-mongered into line. Doctor, you're connected and you're talking on the program. Wasail al-Elama Sadika, which is truthful news. And look at what you're giving to us uh, the, this evening. As you said, uh, the Luciferian agenda going through this technology that they are using to, you know, to, uh, to, to actually take uh, mankind out of the equation and what i mean who's going to what they're going to do without human beings i mean god created us we are god's vice chairs on earth we are perhaps uh, you know we are the finest creation because we are the only creation whom god has given us uh, the ability to choose we either choose good or we choose evil it seems as if evil and the evil uh, party which we call hisbush shaitan god is giving them rope they will hang themselves soon, uh, Doctor. Soon they will yeah, hang they, themselves. They will, Shafat. They will. I think what we must realize is that humanity is more than our five senses show us. We have a divine in each one of us. And uh, Lucifer is a fallen angel. He doesn't have free will. And he wishes to capture this free will, our spirit. Uh, it's a strange thing, you know, they talk about artificial intelligence taking over the world. And I think only a stupid person will think that artificial intelligence is better than him. Uh, to put, just to put perspective into our intelligence, there are different, there are different manners of intelligence. Uh, you get a natural intelligence, which is given to all of us at birth through our innocence and curiosity, but it requires innocence for God to program that. So a child, uh, if two strangers enter the room, automatically he feels who he can trust. Nobody needs to tell him that. And he will shy away from some people you trust because he doesn't trust them. And he's usually right. Uh, so that kind of intelligence is shared by God to all his creation. And the aim of that intelligence is to aid in your survival and your ability to thrive and procreate and uh, that's the reason God gives us that intelligence, but it requires our innocence. Now, that natural intelligence, uh, if you look at a wolf, uh, he knows to grab a sheep by its throat. And uh, if he holds it for long enough, it'll die. Uh, and that's something he didn't learn in university. Uh, it's his innocent curiosity and watching his parents and feeling the vibrations around that made him understand that's how he gets food. And of course, uh, sheep's not taught the same. A sheep's taught to watch out for a wolf. And the sheep knows when the wolf comes, run in the other direction. But of course, uh, the problem is that uh, sheep uh, will not uh, come together and start to 
debate why the wolf is so violent and why he acts the way he acts and the rest of it, that doesn't help their survival. All the sheep needed to know was run in the opposite direction, and that's all he will need to know. The rest is immaterial. Uh, so that's that's our natural intelligence. And then you get human intelligence. And our human intelligence is basically our five senses, which are limited. Uh, we don't understand vibrations and all that kind of thing. We more in what we can touch, smell, see. And so uh, with that human intelligence, we use that to rationalize, to analyze, and to try and justify uh, nature around us. Look at processes. So it's the scientific reality that we try and understand. But I think what human beings don't realize is that we also have what's known as a divine intelligence. And that divine intelligence resides in all of us, but it's inside us. It's not around us. It's inside every one of us. And that taps into the interconnectedness of every single atom in the universe. Now physicists are starting to understand uh, quantum and quantum physics and the interconnectedness of all atoms. And uh, they talk about string theory, uh, how it connects everything. And, uh, you know, th there's been a lot of talk about that uh, recently in the media. And, uh, you know, they, 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 there's a word that they use. It just, it just evades me right now. It would come to me. But with this kind of theory, it talks about the interconnectedness of the entire universe and how every single atom in the universe influences each other. And uh, it's like a ball of wool. It's like a ball of wool where when you pull one strand, it touches all the other strands. It's like uh, birds in the sky. You know, uh, you know, when you see these flock of birds moving around like a cloud moving in the sky, it's a it's a dance. It's the dance that happens, and they call it quantum entanglement. Now, I don't think it's entanglement. I think it's very ordered and directed, and it's directed by intention. Now, humanity, the divine intelligence allows that kind of intention to manifest itself. So if you focus your attention with all your might and heart onto something that you wish to happen, and you feel it and touch it uh, and, and see it in your heart like it has already happened, then you can send those vibrations to those around you and it will attract those with the same intention. And so you can make that vision manifest itself. So I think uh, looking at it in that way, humanity has this divine ability to control the universe. And that's what God gave us. And that divine ability to control the universe requires us to focus on good intent. And I think we're at a point now in humanity where we are acting worse than sheep and discussing why Lucifer does what he does. And everyone is busy trying to understand the devil and his ways. But what that does is puts our tent on the devil and gives him the strength. So I think it's time to Stop trying to dissect why these Luciferians do what they do and trying to figure out what's in their heart. That doesn't help us survive. We just need to know what we need to know to protect ourselves. That's all. Uh, so as long as we know what their agenda is and what they intend to do, 
then we know how to pre preserve our lives. The rest of our intention should be focused on where we'd like to go, a caring, sharing, collaborative, cooperative society that has respect for all God's creation and has been put here with the sole purpose of protecting all his creation and with the aim of exploring our individual uniqueness and spirituality. And if we all focus on that, we can make that manifest. We should stop giving our power to the devil and keep trying to understand why he does what he does. He does what he does because he is the devil. And of course, uh, we need not fear if we have true faith that uh, our creator is all powerful. Uh, so they can do what they want. I smile and I think, yeah, let's see what happens when you meet my maker. What a brilliant point, doctor. Come here. Can I hug you for that? When we meet the <laughs> maker, the mother of all court cases will take place there. And these people that perpetrated these heinous crimes, you can't get away. In the worldly court, you can pay. You can get the best uh, attorney you got or the best uh, advocate you got. You can get away if you got the money. You can buy your way through. Yeah. But when you meet the ultimate, you got a problem. Hey, I, I was nice. Uh, we had a nice hug there, Doc. Uh, moving on. You know, there's something else you spoke about angels. You know, uh, they say angels. Uh, I'm giving you the Islamic viewpoint. Uh, angels uh, do, do what they are told to do. They're angels that are glorifying uh, God all the time. You know, 70,000 angels going around his throne. And there's a tight, uh, you know, time shift and so forth. And uh, the Islamic viewpoint on uh, Satan is that he was a jinn. You know, he wasn't of the angels, because if he was of the angels, then he was would not have the power to argue with the creator and make a uh, god. But he was given this free will to think and make a decision. And the decision he made when God told him to bow down before Adam, he said, no, 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 I'm better than him. Why should I bow down to him when I'm worshipping you all the time? I've worshipped you in, in, in ways that I, this uh, person that you created of mud and clay cannot do. And his answer to God, God said, well, why are you disobeying me? He said, you created me of smokeless fire. But him, you created him of mud and clay. So you can see where the first discrimination took place, uh, Dr. Shankara yeah. Chetty. We'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. We'll let the people's yeah. imagination run, uh, run with that. But you know, Yesterday, if, uh, you know, the honest scientist, if he came to me and, you know, I'm talking about maybe a hundred years ago and he said, you know, it is important to note that uh, at a, a, you know, a once declared epidemic can progress into a pandemic status. Now, while the doctor, you know, in yesterday they told you while an, you know, they talk about an epidemic is large, it is also generally contained or expected in, a, in its spread, you know. Once a pandemic, they said, yeah, a pandemic is an international and out of control thing. So the epidemic, you know, you had in a certain area, you cordon people out, they don't get in there. And generally the people used to be cured or they died in, in, in only that section. But then uh, you come out with this uh, world thing, you talk about pandemic and it was an inter international thing. And at that time they told you it was out of control. Then they started getting vaccination and inoculation and all. I think maybe it started uh, to a lesser, a lesser extent then. And then it came to this pandemic. Perhaps, uh, you know, you could conscientize us on this uh, different types of uh, agendas they had, doctor. You see, Shafat, uh, epidemics are something that starts in a localized area and cover a localized place. And the aim with epidemics was to keep them contained so that they don't spread. 
But epidemics in general tend to have a propensity. Uh, they have their limiting factors like the population's propensity uh, or the uh, climate in that area allows them to grow better. So they couldn't spread to diverse environments. And the aim with the control of epidemics was to keep it contained. Uh, a pandemic is something that has a far more diverse uh, audience to it. So it's indiscriminate and it'll spread. And of course, it depends on the contagiousness of the pathogen. Some pathogens take a long time to spread. So when they infect a host, the time from infection to the ability to transmit to the next host will determine the speed at which that pathogen can spread. So if you get a virus and it takes you about 10 days before you can spread it to the next person, then it's going to be a slow uh, uh, moving virus and you can isolate it, find it before it spreads. And uh, if that be the case, then uh, things like isolating infected people uh, till, till they recover, because you can catch them before they spread it to anyone, uh, that, that's pragmatic. But when you're dealing with a coronavirus that can spread uh, from day one, then you don't have that ability. So looking for people that have it, trying to lock them down uh, is not going to limit its spread. Uh, it's an airborne virus and there's air all around the planet. And if you've got a pandemic, then where you don't want it to spread? To Mars. Because the bottom line, it will envelop the planet anyway. So a lot of the measures that they brought into place were never, never scientifically uh, proven and uh, made no scientific sense. Uh, and I can't understand how all these academics uh, just pandered to it. You know, uh, when I see intellectuals uh, talk such rubbish, I just wonder where, they, where it comes from. And I, it makes me also look at the gullibility of our society. You know, someone asked me what I think of the intellectuals that are pushing the narrative. And I said, it looks like they've been paid to shine shit because that's all they seem to be doing. Uh, it's, 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 it's crazy that we're in this situation. And of course, it's a play on words. Uh, the, the veracity of an epidemic or a pandemic was always gauged by its mortality, never by the number of cases. So they keep changing the definition of things uh, to suit their agenda. And I think uh, yeah, humanity needs to wake up and understand uh, that the science and what we are given to understand is the science is being manipulated through various means like the definition of certain terms. Uh, they change the definition of a vaccine. They change the definition of a pandemic. Uh, they're going to change a lot of things going forward. And we just need to need to have our eyes open and aware of what the agenda is and not be taken for such fools. You know, I'm going to take you way back, uh, doctor, and uh, go on to this uh, scenario. You know, they said, oh, you must uh, take your po polio shot. You must have your smallpox and your measles and all this. And, it, you know, um, but many said uh, there are so many articles written that whilst they were giving you these uh, polio shots and so forth, uh, there was also this agenda of population control then because people never quested, uh, questioned it. You know, people that had polio shots uh, had other adverse effects and all that. Uh, I mean, you're a man of knowledge. You, uh, you know, you've exposed this pandemic here. What's your thoughts on that? Now look, Shafat, uh, it's, it's, it's something where we've got, we got to look at science and we've got to look at uh, benefit. What are we trying to achieve? 
So yes, uh, vaccination as a methodology holds scientific sense, right? That you can, we can influence our immunity uh, so that it can be trained to withstand further assault. Now that happens from the day we're born naturally with natural immunity, right? And uh, we we aware that children that are exposed uh, have better immunity. Now, if you, just just to put into context how that works, we have to tolerate our environment. So from the time you're born till the time you reach maturity, maturity being the age at which you can reproduce. Now, from the time you're born till that age, your immunity is considered to be naive and it's considered to be immature. And so it can't attack itself. So that's the reason during the pandemic, children were not at risk because we had a reaction, a hypersensitivity reaction that caused your body to attack itself. And that's what killed people. And because children don't have that propensity in their immune reactions to attack themselves with severe anaphylactic reactions, they were spared. Now, what happens in your young age, your, your, as a child, your aim is to sample your environment. So children crawl, crawl, put everything in their mouth, touch everything, want to try everything. And what they're actually doing is sampling their environment and their immunity is constantly building up a library of things in their environment that they must learn to tolerate and live with so that they can thrive in this environment. So a child that's exposed to a broad, diverse range of things in that age group builds up a huge library of things he'll tolerate. And when he grows older, he's not prone to getting sick because he knows what to ignore in his environment as part of himself. But children that are shielded, not allowed out into the open, they don't build a very big library. And when they reach maturity, remember at maturity, the library stops being built. It's there for the rest of your life now. And so if uh, the library is too small, then when you reach maturity and are exposed to new things, you'll react to them. And that's the reason why children who are shielded react more once they're older. So I'm one way when children develop rashes and those minor immune responses to things, we must not be too quick to treat them. Uh, we must give their immunity a chance to learn and tolerate before we decide if it's overreacting, then we'll calm it down a little bit. Uh, so that is that is the basis of how you look at immunity. That's how we're supposed to be. Now, when you look at the vaccines and things around the world, uh, the, the way to look at immunity is if you look at measles, mumps, chickenpox, these are childhood illnesses that are spread by viruses, but they pose a very high risk in adulthood. And these are viruses when they infect you, uh, you don't kill them. You basically inactivate them with your antibodies, but they don't die. And so they find places to live uh, in your body quietly without causing any affectation. And that can be for till the day you die. Now, because they're hiding in your body, your body has this low-grade constant fight against them. And that's why you can't get it again, because your body is already watching out for this one stuck in it, in its body. And so the ones from the outside have no chance of coming in because the army is always prepared. Now, previously, when uh, children had chickenpox, measles, we had chickenpox and measles parties. 
where we exposed all the children to this unusual pathogen. So everyone got chickenpox and measles, and they developed the immunity from it because it's better to have it as a child because that that uh, sampling of that virus protects you in adulthood where the disease is far more dangerous and life-threatening. Now, taking that, people start to, to, to look into vaccinations, putting in a dead virus into someone and uh, triggering the immune response. Uh, but when you do that kind of thing, uh, you've got to make sure that the immune response very, very closely mimics what nature does for it to be effective. Now, the second consideration, like with uh, measles and chickenpox parties, is, uh, is it deadly enough? Who's going to die from this? So, yes, if you've got a pathogen that has a very high mortality rate and your risk when getting it is very high of death, then I'd say, yes, go ahead and try and find something that will save my life. And if it's going to be a vaccine against it, fine. But to inoculate or vaccinate people against chickenpox, measles, mumps, I think nature does a better job. And of course, with diseases that don't kill, if we have effective treatments that can bring down the mortality and morbidity of these infections, then why the hell do you need to develop a vaccine? And remember, treatments are only for sick, not for everyone. So the, the, the risk of side effects from treatments will only rest with the sick that were treated. The vaccines are given to everyone. And so the risk of side effects from a vaccine occurs in everyone, even the healthy that never got sick. And remember, with diseases like malaria and Bill Gates and his new uh, mosquito vaccines, uh, malaria has become a very, very treatable illness. So I don't see the need to vaccinate anyone against it when you got treatment for it. And uh, yes, develop better means to diagnose it early, uh, different medications to treat it in that you don't develop resistance. And so malaria is a very treatable condition that we don't need to vaccinate against because it's not so widespread that people that don't live in endemic areas are now going to get vaccinated against it. And one of the, the difficult things with vaccination is that it does not evolve with the pathogen. Our immunity does evolve with the pathogen. So what happens is if you vaccinate against malaria, then malaria will now be forced to find a way to avoid, avoid the vaccine. And in doing so, it will mutate, and then it will affect far more people and we'll be sitting with a crisis. So, you know, I just did a talk on one of the uh, TV stations where we were discussing this kind of malaria scenario. And uh, I explained to them that uh, allopathic science has come to a point where we've developed medications that influence almost every system in the body. And so there's no reason now to develop new medications because with the old tried and tested 50-year-old medications, they do the trick. And we know their safety profiles and their long-term side effects and where and when to use them. But of course, their patents have run out. So now the pharmaceutical industry must develop new medications and do away with the old. So, I mean, you could take a simple old medication, take it off the shelf, rebrand it, say it's new and novel, use it for exactly the same thing with a different name and charge a fancy price for it. But we're doing the same old thing, just rebrand it. Now, we've done the same thing with the vaccines. As much as I don't, uh, I'm not a condoner of mass vaccination and childhood vaccines, seeing the problems that they've caused, 
the old traditional vaccines are well known. We understand the we understand the risks of autism and all those kind of things. We understand the safety profiles around them. So if you look at vaccines, we had three kinds. We had either a live vaccine, a killed vaccine, or they took a piece of the pathogen, a protein, and injected that protein like the, uh, like DPT, uh, diphtheria toxoid. It's a small protein toxin they injected into you. It stimulates your immunity. And those are protein-based vaccines. Now, now we got uh, messenger RNA. Uh, now, there's no such thing as a messenger RNA vaccine. You see a protein vaccine, the protein causes an immune stimulation. A heat-killed vaccine, the heat-killed pathogen stimulates an immune response. A live uh, vaccine, well, the live pathogen stimulates the response. But in a messenger RNA vaccine, why I say there's no such thing, the messenger RNA doesn't stimulate the response. The messenger RNA makes a protein that stimulates the response. So a messenger RNA vaccine is basically a glorified protein vaccine, a protein-based vaccine. So now, uh, why didn't they, I kept asking this, why didn't you make the protein? Why do you have to turn the body into a spike protein factory when you could have injected spike protein? So messenger RNA is not a vaccine. It is a means to make protein to stimulate an immune response. So it's a glorified protein-based vaccine. So they're not making money with vaccines anymore, even though they were reasonably safe and we managed to iron out quite a few of the problems, uh, uh, notwithstanding the long-term effects of them. So they decided, well, we're not making money on that. We need a new way to vaccinate people, new novel way so we can sell it to everyone again because our patents have run out on the manufacture of these other vaccines. So let's find a new novel way to do it. And so they invented this messenger RNA that makes the protein in your body with far more side effects and complications and variables, but they don't care. And so now they market it as new technology and they want to change all the current vaccines to that technology. Same thing they did with, do with medication. So yeah, I think we've got to understand their commercial interests and uh, the, the magic they, they do in front of us. You've got to watch what's behind their back more than what they're showing you in front. Yeah, absolutely. Using all that fiat money, which has no value at all, people. Even, I don't know, don't yeah. talk about the toilet paper there, but it has no value at all. They have no gold reserves. They have no silver reserves. But they just have this lies that they're perpetrating left, right, and center. Doctor, as you were talking, and you know, I just started chuckling to myself because I got to know how... Uh, COVID-19 was introduced to South Africa. You recall KZN? I think it was 2019. Yeah, and, and someone, they were in Italy. They came from Italy after a skiing expedition. And very conven yeah. conveniently, that guy from that ice cold area, you know, if you're skiing, you know, you're yeah. virtually coming from ice. He brought in the, he came in as someone that was positive. There was, a, there was a plan there. I don't know if you remember in the early stages of the pandemic when it was in Italy. Yes. Uh, South African travel agents were actually offering discounts to people to, uh, for, for holidays to Italy. Wow, unreal. Uh, suddenly, yeah, no, it was, it was a big thing that all the travel agents and things were, because Italy wasn't going to get any tourists because now they had COVID there. So initially what they did was they said, no, 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 discount hotel rooms, discount flights, all that kind of thing, and encouraged people to go there. I mean, with China, the, the, the thing started in Wuhan, 
you lock the whole of Wuhan down. It never spread to one other province in China, but you left your airport open for international travel. <laughs> so what are you doing? Which way are you blowing the wind here? Mm. For the smoke. You know what I mean? So, so there's, yeah. there's been an agenda from the start. Uh, it, uh, this is not something new. And it was all meant for the vaccine. I, I mean, the pathogenic part of the virus, this is not about a pathogenic virus. It's about a pathogenic protein. And it's the protein in the virus that kill people. And it's the protein in the, in the vaccine that's going to kill people. So this is not about a virus. This is not about a vaccine. It's about a pathogenic protein that's been engineered with so many pathogenic epitopes on it that it can cause the widest diversity of illnesses. And they know how to manage it. So the change in the variance wasn't a change in the virus. It was a change in the orientation of this pathogenic protein to express in different variants different parts of itself. Dr. Shankara Chetty, absolutely brilliant hour. And, uh, you know, uh, we couldn't ask for more. And we thank you for your, you know, updates you give us all the time. And a constant uh, reminder, uh, your parting words uh, before I let you go. Uh, Shafat, uh, just, just to put some perspective, uh, as a parting word, uh, climate change, uh, the climate will always change, but they must blame us for it. Uh, when you look at GMO foods, uh, they're trying to tell us it's better than nature. When you look at uh, lab-grown meat, they're telling us that the animals that uh, are around us are not fit for our consumption and they're causing problems. When you look at the, our pathogens around us and our immunity, they're telling us that the immunity and things that we have are not, uh, are not as good as they could be. So what these people that are pushing this agenda are actually doing are questioning the competence of my creator. And I think I know very well who's well suited to questioning the competence of my creator. Now, the, per the perpetrators and the perpetuators of this agenda narrative, we're talking about the mainstream media, we're talking about the academics that punt this, we're talking about uh, the regulatory bodies that push this agenda, the governments, all the people that are pushing this. Basically, what they're doing or what they're what they testing in people, and this is for people, what they're testing in you is your, your level or tolerance. So they're testing your level of stupidity, gullibility, and your resolve in your faith. That's what they're testing. Now, if you continue, there's only, there's only two choices here. You either comply or you question. And your response will tell me a lot about you and also a lot about the future of humanity and the degree of enslavement of your children. So I think people need to open their eyes and realize when they decide to test our level of stupidity and gullibility with the next pandemic, we need to stand up and show them that we're not that stupid and not that gullible and have a very strong resolve in our faith and the power of our creator. Dr. Shankara Chetty, I'm sure our maker, our sustainer, our provider, our creator is pleased with us this evening. You have spoken the truth. 
we have spoken the truth for the pleasure of the Almighty. Dr. Shankara Chetty, you have a beautiful, lovely evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Shafat, for allowing me to share my views. Thank you. Our Dr. Shankara Chetty there, keeping us up to speed. Yes, I'd like to thank uh, Lukolo for great engineering and also keep it locked on to Marka Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I, till we meet you again, uh, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.